Welcome to Monstrology, episode 11, episode 1-1. One, one. We have cracked double digits and uh, moved beyond. Uh, I'm joined by Imagine McCabe, as always. Uh, and I have a hard-hitting question for you uh, right off the top, Imagine. Lay it on me. Did you ever have a pet rock? No. <laughs> Do I you, actually I had to think about it, but do you no, know? I don't I, think so, no. I was trying to think about whether I had had a pet rock as well. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, briefly, a, a kid in the neighborhood who I was like tangentially friends with uh -huh. was gluing googly eyes to rocks <laughs> and was like trying to sell them to the other kids in the neighborhood. And we were like, these are rocks with googly eyes on them. Mm -hmm. Why would we want these? Well, I, I didn't realize that like a pet rock was an actual collectible toy. Like oh a my branded, God, yes, you're marketed. It was like in the eighties, it, it was yeah. well, I looked all at it, it was the rage. 1975, these things came out. And oh, it, it had a, okay, a, a 32 page uh, instruction manual about like how to care for your rock and all of this. But like, I guess by the time that I was in existence, it was just like a thing that people joked about. Like, oh, yeah, I yeah. they rock. were like, no, but like back in the day, they were like analog Tamagotchis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess I had actual Tamagotchis. <laughs> yeah, but then, like you and I <laughs> yeah. had like actual Tamagotchis, but yeah. like in the I, 70s. I remember when Tamagotchis were banned from school because they were too yep. distracting. They were too um, distracting. But you're like, but I got to walk my pet. And it's going to die. Yeah. It's, anyway, so I, I was thinking about this because I feel like uh, today's monster uh, is also a little bit rock based, uh, but I do not think that they would be a very good pet. Uh, they seem- Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, they seem, I mean, we'll get into it, but they seem a little bit more dangerous. Um, I feel like usually they, they live on the outside of your home, maybe in more of like a, like a farm dog situation or like a guard, guard dog kind of style. Um, and you know what? I, I just should just get into it. Today's monster is Gargoyles. So we're going to be getting into a little bit of history here for the gargoyle. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's two types of gargoyle that we're going to talk about here, basically. There is the stone architectural gargoyle, and I think the history of that. But we also have the, the monster, the like actual myth and thing that exists that we're going to be interviewing later. Um, and so I just want to put a little bit of clarity into that first. Um, so... The gargoyle uh, has some pretty strong features. Number one, they are traditionally made of stone, <laughs> or at least spend a lot of time uh, inside stone before they magically shift or whatever. I think. Got... I think also back there were a lot of them that were wood, depending on. Where oh, wood. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I feel like primarily I think of them as stone. Yes, like you're right. Yeah, majority. like you think of them as stone carved, like almost like statues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, the, the monster, I mean, and, and yes. they have uh, large wings, uh, typically, not always, but I'm just saying like 
the I guess the archetypal gargoyle has is stone, it has wings, it has claws, it has a very sinister looking face. Um, there's a lot of variants of this, but again, I'm just thinking of the kind of the common gargoyle. Um, Your common garden variety. Common, uh, gar garden variety uh, gargoyle. Um, usually are statues during the day and kind of grotesque guardian angels at night. Like often they come to, they're nocturnal, they, they come to life at night. Um, and the last kind of thing that I think works for all of them is that they are scary looking, but often for practical reasons. Like they, they serve a purpose in terms of being uh, scary. Yeah, like they're, they're really more like guardians or wards of the places that the, like on the sides of the buildings where they live. Like it's supposed to ward off um, evil or demon, like demons, demonic entities, things like that. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's almost like a fighting fire with fire kind of mm -hmm. approach. Yeah. So now that we've tackled, I just wanted to establish the monster, the gargoyle. I, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the history of the gargoyle and where it came from, in my estimation, architecturally. Because um, it is the first monster that we've had that is is uh, architecture and is art. Well, you can as actually much as commonly, well, and then you can also commonly find them. Yes. All over like the place. Like you can go out to any like old building and be like, found a gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're seen in buildings all over um, the world. Uh, here's some, like some famous locations that you can see some great gargoyles, if you're looking it up, is the, the Notre Dame Cathedral, um, the uh, Ulmer Munster in Ulm, Germany, um, the Diomo di Milano in Milan, uh, Eastern State Penitentiary in Pennsylvania has some really cool looking gargoyles. And I also think it's a really sweet spot for a gargoyle to be. It seems very like spooky to me. That it's how how very like, like, like oppressive. I know it's kind like, of like a asylum -y, um, yeah, like kind of creepy, crazy. And uh, in the Chrysler building in, in New York, um, there's some like fairly famous gargoyles there as well. I mean, there's tons of them. Oh but yeah, there are, like there are even there are gargoyles on the Peace Building in Ottawa. Mm. Oh, and they're in oh. they're on Old City Hall uh, here in Toronto as well. There's one more. Uh, this is kind of it's not a tangent because it is exactly what we're talking about, but it's it's not a traditional gargoyle. I found uh, um, it, in the '90s there was like a reservation. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. I when yeah. I found this out, I was so excited too. Go ahead. That the, the, uh, in uh, Paisley Abbey they were. Um, reconstructing a building and uh somebody i think as a prank uh put on a gargoyle that looks like uh, the alien like the xenomorph from, it's the alien. Xenomorph from alien and it's yeah. awesome and they discovered it and they're like how long has this been here has it been here for thousands of years and they was like probably somebody put it on more recently um, actually I, I i i there is some theory that it was like oh it was a prank or it was like a a craftsman who who just thought he was like having a lark but mm -hmm. um I was reading about it as well too is that the the architect who was actually drafted for the job purposely designed it and he put mm. forward something like 20 or 30 different proposals um to the people who ran the cathedral and when they were going through it in the in the committee to choose which designs to put on there he was like he was shocked that they had decided to put that alien in there. That's awesome. I so mean, it, by, it's, it's... by his recollection of the story, it was like an actual purposeful choice and it wasn't something that just oh, kind of got like, slipped in. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think it's it's interesting. It's on this kind of historic building and it is a more modern 
um, image. But within that kind of like lore of alien, it's cool to imagine that it's like alien versus predator. It's been here for forever and we just discovered it now. Um, I love it. I love it. Anyway, I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, so there's all those famous ones and also alien. Um, so uh, you were saying, Madrin, it's, uh, there's certainly a feature, which is that it's, they exist to frighten away evil spirits. Um, but very practically, a lot of the gargoyles that are on these buildings are essentially like water spouts. Yeah, like protect... they're basically uh, old school downspouts. Yeah, and they protect these historic buildings from water or pooling water or, or damage. Um, and so they're, again, practical. They're scary, but they're practical. Um, there's... Yeah, I mean, well, that was something that, like, when I was doing my my research, this was something that I real I learned. I had no idea about this. Is that um, to apply the name gargoyle is to one of these statues that actually has the very practical application of serving as a downspout. If it's simply a carved statue that's on the side of a building, it's actually referred to as a grotesque. Mm. But it's become like the, the the two images in in our minds have kind of merged and so generally what we refer to as a gargoyle actually most of the time is a grotesque interesting which i find really interesting um there's two kind of central images there is more than this but i'm going to talk about two images that you see on gargoyles the the more modern i again garden variety gargoyle um it is more of a serpent, like it, it has a, a serpent origin. It comes from um, Gargoulie, or Gargoulie, um, which is first recorded in uh, 1394. And it was a dragon um, that's spouted water from its mouth, causing floods. Um, and gargoyles, the, the actual decor decorations originated from this monster. Um, there's also some origin in terms of uh, gargoyle that it could come from gargle um, or gargoyem, uh, which is uh, a word for throat. So I just think that there's a lot of overlap from the origin of the actual word, this older kind of uh, dragon, the serpent, uh, and its evolution into being a water serpent on a building. Um, I mean, they're not yeah. straight serpents, but it's just that, that type of face um, is kind of fearsome and almost like I don't know, not lizardy, but it, like it has a more a dragon-looking face. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think it's very interesting that um, that so much of the etymology, depending on where you are, comes from the actual practical application of it diverting water away from the roofs of these buildings. Because mm -hmm. even in um, in Italian, it's either dosion or grande sporgenti, oh. which um, the literal translation is protruding gutter. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, uh, and then, and then sometimes also Italians will use gargola or um, or garguglia, which is like that's when it has more of a grotesque shape. But yeah, mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting that grande sporgenti really means protruding gutter. <laughs> like it, it really, I think it kind of downplays just how fantastic and um, intimidating mm -hmm. these gargoyles really can be. There's the earliest origin that I could find for this that it, in my mind I think isn't quite a gargoyle um, but I think still plays into this lineage is as it often is uh, ancient Egypt um, and in ancient Egypt rather than being more serpentine uh, they're, they're often lion um, 
faces instead of, or like satyr face, like these are lions instead of satyrs. Um, but they're not like, I see, I saw conflicting research, some that said it did actually serve to keep the rain off the buildings, but a lot of them that said that it was really to appease to the, like the gods of rain. It was more symbolic than it was practical. And I feel like a lot of this history of the gargoyle as we know it has so much to do about the water and the throat and the origin and being a spout that I didn't think that it quite relates, but they are nonetheless old historic faces on buildings um, that are ominous and, and meant to kind of keep things at, at bay. Um, so it's related. I just don't think it's as related as the other stream of monsters. Um, yeah, I, the oldest uh, the oldest instance of a gargoyle that I could find in my research is in Turkey mm. and it's 13,000 years old mm. and it looks like a crocodile. So cool. again, I think it's a very, it's kind of a similar thing where, you know, crocodiles are found in water and it has the very long nose. So the very, you know, the practical application of diverting the water, but it also this very scary, ferocious beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I was also, I mean, this, uh, uh, my dad is an architect. And so it was one of the few times that I could be like, hey, you know anything about this uh, monster? And uh, he was kind of mentioning the same thing that it was keeping away evil spirits, but he brought up something interesting, which is that um, it, it arrived at a time when uh, literacy was not very common. And it's it was something that I didn't don't think about very often, but the fact that people don't have language, they don't have myth, they just have the symbol um, establishes kind of the way that we interpret it. So with gargoyles, when they arrived, let's say after the 14th century, we would be seeing these symbols, we as universal we, they um, would be seeing these symbols of gargoyles and these scary faces and not understanding what they were. And I think that kind of looms large in your imagination. It helps you create your own myth and you can see how it kind of would expand from there because they are menacing. That um, I thought that was interesting too. That even like the reason they were created might not be understood. And so it was almost like immediately lost. Um, yeah, I was I was reading that one of the theories as to how maybe not necessarily how um, gargoyles were originally created, but how they evolved, especially because we associate them so strongly with uh, churches, especially Catholic mm -hmm. uh, cathedrals and things like that. And then the main theory behind that was to put these really intimidating, frightening, grotesque creatures on the outside of the church to remind people of the evil and the terrible things in the world. Mm -hmm. And so that they'd better come into the church to learn how to be a good person and how to fight the evil in right. the world. It's that reminder of like your own morality or your own fears or what's around you. Um, so I have to say, if I were walking up to a, like, and I, like most of these Built, churches were the biggest building in the town. Mm -hmm. If you're strolling down the street and you see this very huge intimidating building that has these monsters carved into the side, I, I don't think my first instinct would be, oh, let me just pop in and learn how to be a better person. Well, you, you know, mine would be. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, check it out. <laughs> Look at all those monsters on that building. That sounds cool. I want to go see what that's all about. Um, okay, so uh, I, I feel like that, that's a good kind of understanding of the architecture and the influence in the history of the architecture. I'm just going to flip back to the monster itself, unless you have anything else you'd like to add, Matron, uh, <laughs> before I uh, get into basically uh, 
powers. <laughs> well, I found lots of examples of different cultures versions of kind of the, the same thing, either being a gargoyle or a grotesque. Mm. Um, so in China, there's the, I don't know if it's pronounced Kaiwen or Chaiwen. I couldn't find anything that would actually say mm. it out loud for me, um, but it's a Chinese dragon. And in Chinese mythology, it's one of the nine sons of the dragon. And they all have different jobs about protecting cultures and things like that mm -hmm. um and uh they like they only like they only have a protective function they only they were only uh, architectural decorations they so they i guess mm. they were more like grotesques and not gargoyles right um and then i think my favorite one uh is in where it's it's in ireland you find them most of the time um they're called sheila nagig okay they are um carvings of naked women that have uh an overly exaggerated vulva that is very prominently shown in almost <laughs> all, all right. of these yeah in almost all, all of these carvings um and you see them on castles and cathedrals and all the other important buildings all throughout europe um <laughs> and uh, I have to like, but and of course, nobody really knows what their their purpose was. So there are some theories that they were more of a, a traditional grotesque version so that they were warding off evil and demons. Mm -hmm. uh, some people think that because they're women and it's actually rare to find these uh, these stone carvings of women used this way, they thought that, uh, oh, because we found them at important buildings where people would typically get married that they were fertility symbols mm. right to you know encourage all, all these ch children that were going to be coming from the, the marriage and things like that as well too um but i <laughs> just, just think imagine like, a child being like it's gonna be like that <laughs> like, <"No." laughs> well well anyway. i mean with the the exaggerated genitalia i mean it does kind of give you a, a glimpse into what childbirth might be like i don't uh, know <laughs> and sorry. then of course there are some people who are like no they're just gross old haggy women that were supposed to be portents of what to do you know, or you know what would happen to you if you weren't a, a an obeying calm you know <laughs> woman you know one of those like all of the, all the of these warning that always goes to women. Yeah, yeah. It could just be a crazy wacko like um, that. That guy. What is it? Was it Daedalus the, the with the Minotaurs? Just that just did weird stuff. Yeah, um, you never know. Like I just because um, I think to to craft a gargoyle, you've got to be in a certain uh, mindset. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then I also found that there were like two different versions in Japan. So there's one that was going. What what was the when you were talking about um, in Egypt, where they were talking, it was really more about like trying to invoke the rainwater. And things it like was that. no, I think it's about keeping the the god of rain at bay. Like they would want oh. to keep storms away, and so they would face these lions towards the sky. Um, oh, okay. Because I, I was I finding in in some Japanese um, in some areas of Japan, they've got carvings of an animal called a shashihoko mm -hmm. and it's got the head of a tiger and the body of a carp mm -hmm. and it's believed that this particular animal can cause the rain to fall oh. so that's why you'll see them on temples and castles because of course back in the day they were primarily made of wood so these rain animals were put there to protect them from fire to protect mm -hmm. the buildings uh, cool. from being burnt down basically 
Smart. Which, at a time where you would right. lose, like, yeah, historic buildings to fire for sure. Yeah. And then um, there's another, there was another animal or like instance that I found in Japan that was more just like an ar architectural beautiful thing. So I guess it was really more like a grotesque mm -hmm. and it's called an uh, Anigawara. Um, and they're basically roof tiles. You'll often see them at the top of a peak of a roof mm -hmm. that depict a Japanese ogre most of the time, or like oh. a very scary, fearsome beast. Is this where like they're sitting at the at the crux of the roof? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. like, yeah. And um, I guess the kind of the practical application of them seems to have been an evolution from a different version where uh, there was a board that had a, a monster painted on it and it was meant to stop roof leaks. Mm. So it seems like the Anigawara, it was uh, as an evolution of that and it became a far more intricate, far more decorative thing that was put on it. Um, but, you know, in looking at the pictures of them when I was doing my research, they are quite intricate, very detailed, um, very, yeah, very beautiful carvings that are put on the, the peaks of these roofs. Mm -hmm. Well, naturally, I guess um, people experiencing uh, real gargoyles would have had all sorts of different interpretations as they've popped up all over the world. And they had the following powers <laughs> and abilities. Um, so this is, I, I think, useful to point out uh, because we'll see these reinterpreted when we get to pop culture. Um, but gargoyles, um, have a couple things that come with their own territory, one of which is immortality. Um, that doesn't mean they can't be destroyed, but that they are inherently immortal. They don't age. Um, that some of them can take a human form uh, and walk amongst the living. Not all of them, there's some variants on that, but I think it is interesting. Uh, flight is super common. There is some that are, are more like four-legged, but the majority of gargoyles are, are winged. Um, and can fly. Uh, they can camouflage exceptionally well. I think because of being made of stone, being able to turn back into statues, but also I think with, in terms of textures of what they are, they have incredible endurance because they, they have no muscle. They like they exist in a different way. They are stone and kind of just matter that doesn't need anything to run. Um, so their endurance uh, can be exceptional. Uh, exceptional. And I've also seen some evidence that they can petrify things and turn other things to stone. Again, there's some variance with that as there is with you know, having a human form, but I think all of those powers are actually quite strong. Like an encounter with a gargoyle would not be good. Um, you don't have a lot of options. Um, yeah, I don't think you could wrestle a gargoyle. No, no. I mean, the, the, you really, you would have to do all of your your thinking during the daytime because at nighttime you're you're out of luck. Um, but I think it's that kind of day and night thing that would be their weakness if you had to play into them, um, or maybe intellect. But it, it, I mean, depending, some of them could be quite clever. You never know. Um, but they're they're pretty stacked. Anyway, that's all the history and information that I've got on gargoyles. Uh, imagine last call before we take a little bit of a break and then come back with some pop culture. Oh, I think we should get pop culturing. All right, let's do it. We're gonna take a little break and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, so for pop culture today, uh, I'm not going to start with movies, and I'm going to start with a uh, short story that I just thought was uh, quite good. 
um, by Clark Ashton Smith. Um, it's called uh, The Maker of Gargoyles. Um, it's not super long. I recommend if people are into gargoyles and that kind of lore. It came out in 1932. Um, and it was kind of at a time when these kind of like pulpy monster stories would go around and were very popular and they would pop up in like magazines or um, the circulations for that. And the premise of this is that there's a, a stonecutter, Blaise Renard, uh, who is accused of satanic associations because he crafts terrifying lifelike gargoyles. Um, and, and so, I mean, it, it comes from seeing them on the buildings or seeing him working on them. And eventually like citizens are getting murdered and mutilated. And it's at one point it's uh, described as being by uh, a creature black as the soot of Abaddon um, or Abaddon, it's like a death devil, if, if people don't know who that is. Um, and I just think there's a good description of them later on. I'm not going to spoil the plot of it, um, but there's a good description of the, the gargoyle. Um, and they say, there was something lascivious in the very motion of its flight, even as homicidal hatred and malignity were manifest in the flight of the other. Its satyr-like face was twisted in a horrible, never-changing leer, and its lustful eyes were fixed on Nicolette as it hung in the air beside the first intruder. Like this idea of being like, there's a lot of really good descriptions in it, but this is that a particular scene where basically the protagonist walking around there like getting a drink at a bar and they like burst in through the glass and start just destroying everything and murdering people. And it's like, oh my God, the thing that's been following me is actually here. Um, and it's like, I hadn't thought of them as being like lustful. Like there's something about like uh, the menace in their eyes also has like, I guess a, a fearful kind of like sexual component. Um, but also just like the way that they describe their movement, like there's, I don't know, like homicidal hatred and like manifest hatred in flight and just like, I don't know, there's a, there's a po poetic um, way that they're described that I quite like in this story. So I recommend it. Um, so that's what I got for books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what I got for books. Oh, uh, funny. Uh, uh well i uh, there is of course oh, actually, um i lied i do have another book but it, i think about it as something different no go ahead sorry i just realized i didn't want to be a liar <laughs> i didn't want to be a liar uh well uh, of course i'm sure as our listeners perhaps have picked up i i quite enjoy me some terry pratchett books mm. um and there are this is your gargoyles. disc world update <laughs> this is my disc world update it's true well it's either that or elder scrolls and there are also gargoyles in elder scrolls but they really don't they don't have any kind of story element they're just like mm. a, an instance to monster you can fight so they're boring um but in um uh one of the disc world books I, I can't remember which one it is now is uh in the in the city of ankmore pork there's the the city watch mm. and one of the members is constable downspout okay and he's the surveillance expert for the watch uh and he is a gargoyle and part of what makes him so great at being their surveillance expert is that he's capable of remaining motionless for days and days and days at a time mm. so he can observe everything that's going on and um he also does not like to be paid in actual money but instead he is paid in pigeons so that he can eat them. Hmm. That's funny. Which I think is a very I mean, like practical... what currency do they need? Like they don't need a home. Right. It's a things. very practical, you know, you use your skills and you get to eat. I wouldn't have thought that they needed to eat, but I guess that they do in that universe. Well, I, I mean, at least in Ankh pork, you do. Yeah. Hmm. 
Cool. Um, uh, there also, similarly to my, I mean, there, there was more literature, but I kind of uh, streamlined my focus. I couldn't find a lot of music uh, for Gargoyle, no, but I could find I... a Japanese thrash metal band uh, card called uh, Gargoyle. Personally, it wasn't for me, but if you'd like yourself <laughs> <laughs> some Japanese thrash metal, uh, Gargoyle could be the band for you. Yeah, um, I have to. I th I think that that's really interesting that that we were there was such a dearth of musical references to gargoyles because I experienced the same thing where I just like I searched and I searched and I searched and I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. But they are such a um, such an imposing figure in, right. in our pop culture. And we you think, think about that there would be so many songs about like and especially because they they represent you know this oppressive force and they and the fight against good and evil and warding off spirits and mm -hmm. you would think that there would be like some epic songs about gargoyles yeah some good I like alternative music because i mean if you think about phoenix and how much music there was inspired by yeah. the experience of the phoenix and how abstract and uplifting it's it, it, yeah but nothing um watch if anybody knows some some good bands and some good music uh let us know and i would be thrilled to learn about uh more gargoyle inspired but music. maybe not but maybe some not japanese maybe not. thrash metal yeah i mean you know <laughs> i mean I you tried it out and it wasn't for you look i i love uh, all sorts of music uh but not that one um <laughs> There's also, I mean, you were talking about video games, so I'll talk a little bit about the video games that, that I found. Um, the first is uh, a series called Castlevania. Um, so generally, Castlevania takes place in the, the castle of Count Dracula, um, who resurrects every hundred years to take over the world. And in most of uh, the games, uh, the players assume the role of the Belmonts. It was like a clan of vampire hunters who have defeated Dracula for centuries. Um, but because it is this kind of gothic castle, gargoyles appear in almost all of the games as a monster um, to be defeated. Um, and I think that's notable in the sense that like, not just in one of those, but in the whole franchise, gargoyles appear. Um, the other game that I could find uh, that gargoyles appear in, uh, these are stone gargoyles, not monster gargoyles, but there is a bunch of stone gargoyles in Batman Arkham Asylum. And the reason that I think that is interesting because it, it, I think it actually really suits Batman in like the gothic noir and this whole style that the actual stone gargoyles, I think, really fit that world. Um, so I thought it was worth noting as well. And there is some, some cool uh, concept art for those of all the different types of gargoyles that they're experimenting with before they put them on the buildings if you're looking up uh, some cool video game concept art. Well, that's definitely appropriate because, of course, Gotham is so gothic, which is, you know, when we, we associate gargoyles with gothic, gothic architecture. So it's very, totally. very appropriate. Uh, I know that the, uh, there was an a game there was a game that was developed for the original OG Game Boy mm -hmm. called Gargoyles Quest. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I mean, it was for, you know, for a, a 30 year old game, it actually was really well received and it had actually quite a, a storyline to it so it's all about this gargoyle named firebrand who has this destiny to carry on the identity of the red blaze which mm -hmm. is this powerful force that brings back the the antagonist and as his destiny says he's supposed to save the ghoul realm from conquest by 
going through the realm, building up his powers and preparing for this final fight against the destroyer King, which is who, who is named a uh, bragger. Um, and uh, it was it was really well received. Apparently, it was a really good game. It had uh, how was spinoffs that? and it had prequels. How, how was Gargoyle Quest Two? Because <laughs> I know that there was more than one. Who even knows? I mean, like I said, it was developed for the OG Game Boy, so yeah. it had to be on this like two and a half inch by two and a half inch mm-hmm. pea soup green screen. So what's you know, amazing how they progress? It, it is a good example tale. though that. It's just something I was thinking about is like these video games, even when they were 8-bit, when they were early, as sorry, as you're probably going to say, is if you can tell the epic tale, if the story is good, if it's interesting, it doesn't need the graphics. Those stories have held like Final Fantasy was very interesting, but also like Castlevania was very interesting. It was on the original like Nintendo games and they still make them. And now it's a, a, I, in researching this, I realized it's a Netflix show like it is. Yes, the story yeah. is what what made it viable in going yeah, back and that, to the that, well. Yeah, that was the point that I was going to make is that the graphics are there and the game player is there to support the story. Mm-hmm. It's not that it is the thing that is telling the story. So if you've already got a really good foundation in telling this very interesting tale, your brain can fill in the stuff that those little pixels aren't able to, to generate. Like mm-hmm. I even think about, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I think about just how deeply hooked I got on Oblivion when it came out yeah and that came out like 15 years ago more than that more than that and so I'm sure if I go back and look at the graphics I would be like whoa this isn't nearly as great as I thought it is but I still deeply remember being up until like three in the morning being Mm -hmm. so engrossed by some of the stories that were part of this game so yeah I think it's really more about the the quest and the epicness of the tale that you are telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting too. I always think story is a thing that like world building, building in video games can be great too. And if, and if you get to make your own story in a way that is actually valuable and satisfying, that can be great too. Like there are games now that the work has gone into the world so you can choose your own story and it still holds water. But I think a really good story um, binds a kind of video game franchise together. And you could see like in Zelda or whatever, it's reinterpreted many, many, many times in different ways. Um, speaking of things interpreted in different ways, <laughs> wow, there what a great segue. is a movie, a timeless classic called Ghostbusters <laughs> that was released in 1984 um, and Gargoyles appear in Ghostbusters, uh, in this particular film, they appear as kind of these terror dogs. Uh, there is Zool, the gatekeeper, and Vins Clortho, the keymaster. And uh, Zool and Vins are primary servants of the harbingers of Gozer, the Gozerian. And their true forms um, are, are these kind of like bipedal demons before they kind of manifest in this world through these four-legged kind of horned dog statue things that they break out of and start uh, wreaking havoc and possessing people yeah it's kind of cool because the i guess they're grotesques because they don't appear to have a downspout light mm-hmm. application but mm-hmm. the um the demons that come out of these grotesques don't really look like the statues themselves so it no. seems to be just kind of this idea of like this was the closest, most similar earthly vessel that we could inhabit these demons with. And so that was the closest thing that we went with. Mm-hmm. Um, the most 
accurate gargoyle depiction in movies that I could find was kind of funny to me uh, because it was animated. And it's a film, a little indie film that I'm sure no one has ever seen before called uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. (laughs) Um, Do you know I actually have not seen that? Like, I, I, I've had, seen I hadn't most... seen it either, which was like, I, I, I had to think about it. I just, for me, I like, I didn't uh, grow up in necessarily like a super movie watching household, but I would always search at movies. So it just didn't come to me, that one. Um, you know, I think somehow it missed me because it did not fulfill the stereotypical Disney princess term. Right. Like Esmeralda is there and like, and is the female uh, you know, mm-hmm. lead character in there, but like, but the movie is not really about her. It's about the hunchback. So I think maybe perhaps my like little girl sensibilities were like, man, there's no princess in this. Who cares? I don't think it was like universally well received. Like it wasn't a bomb or anything, but it wasn't like a smash hit like some of the other Disney films. I don't think um, it had like, and I think part of the problem behind it was that it did not have the epic ballad that that like Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. and Pocahontas and Mulan all had right like can you name any of the music from Disney Hunchback? no yeah exactly. I, and, and I think it it didn't have it had a certain amount of like celebrity actors but I was looking at it it didn't have quite as much star power as some of the other films as well um and so anyway in, in the Hunchback of Notre Dame you see gargoyles in a few different capacities the first one is that you see them as they're almost this chorus and they exist as an extension of Quasimodo's subconscious. Like they live in this space and he has no one else to talk to is what they just like uh, set up in the first, like uh, for whatever, I don't know how old he is, 20, 30, whatever. Um, maybe he's older than I, He seems young-ish um, in the sense that I am young-ish. Uh, that he he had no contact with the outside world. And so he's just talked to statues that have come to life now. And we just accept that in the movie. Um, so we see those and they kind of hop around and talk and turn back into statues and they have no legs. <laughs> that they're, um, those are more grotesques. But you also do see traditional water spout gargoyles in the building. And he like sings on them and uses them to kind of like grapple across the cathedral um, and water flows through them. And then at the end, there is like a really great piece of payoff um, when the the spout itself does have like a monstrous quality and you can tell that it is like weirdly supernatural that like plays into the climax. And so I think the movie actually hits a lot of gargoyle um, appearances. Like it, it does it properly and in many different interpretations. Um, that time period, I think, is interesting, too. It is almost like Shakespearean. Like, it reminded me of uh, Measure for Measure. There's all this, like, kind of sin. And I don't love the way that they treat Quasimodo in the movie. <laughs> like, at the beginning, they're just kind of like, and they named him a cruel name that they shouldn't have. But I was like, but the other characters don't quite... Anyway, I don't think it holds up perfectly. But it at least it was framed a little bit so that they knew it wasn't great. Um, anyway, I thought it was interesting. And I, I really like that animation style, that era in kind of the late um, 90s. It was 1996. Um, I like that you think 1996 is the late 90s. I mean, it's the second half. <laughs> I guess it's not the late 90s. Speaking of 1996, uh, Madrin, it's possible that you also have seen this or remember this, as I know that you watch this show, but I watched it specially 
just for this episode. Oh wait, our hang, are are we? We're so we're segueing into TV because there is a movie that I found that I think is notable. But I have the segue of 1996. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> I found uh, it was a made-for-TV movie um, from 1972 called Gargoyles, mm-hmm. um, and it was like you know it's your fairly standard fare. This scientist and his daughter are traveling through New Mexico, and some crazy old coot shows them the skeletal body of this giant animal that has wings and they were like this can't possibly be what you mean you watched the weird movie this week (laughs) (laughs) um and then of course uh it all and it turns out that of course there is actually a group of gargoyles who have been incubating for 500 years and uh the humans have killed them off in the past but the you know they're bound and determined to rise up this time around and they're going to you know, take over this town and things like that. And of course, like it's kind of crappy and nobody has talked about it ever since. But the reason that I thought it was very noteworthy is that it's the first movie to feature the makeup special effects of Stan Winston, Hmm. who of course later went on to be incredibly famous for his work in Aliens and Terminator and Edward Scissorhands and Predator. And he was just like one of the founding fathers of modern monster makeup. Um, And he actually won an Emmy for his gargoyles for this movie. So as not great as the rest of this movie was, for a 50-year-old movie, the special effects makeup is like chef's kiss amazing. That's the great thing about practical effects, right? Yes. Special effects in terms of practical effects is when you do them right, they're timeless. Like they defy being aged out of because they just keep working. I Um, rant about this all the time. And actually another Stan Winston movie, Jurassic Park, that mm-hmm. is always that is always my example of like they threw an actual car at actual stunt actors down an actual cliff and mm-hmm. that's why it holds up even though it's a 30-year-old movie and they built actual dinosaurs. Yeah, I just and it's they, not CG. The human the human error of movement too, right? Like the the yeah. personal touch and pacing. It's like it's it can be felt, I think visually. I I like seeing a blend sometimes like having a certain amount of digital stuff, but I love I love practical. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my, Patrick knows so a, much. I love fake blood and stuff. This is a, <laughs> we we have a primo fake blood recipe. If anybody this is looking is for one, it looks real good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I'm. This is my, that's my only thing. It, it like I think you should always go for practical effects first, and then your CG is just just there to kind of blur the edges and kind of augment. I mm-hmm. we're we're just we're not at the point where CG is ever. I don't I don't think CG is ever really going to replace actual physical things no it's it's also that thing of like there's the the creepy thing where it looks so close to real life that it makes you feel uncomfortable like i think we have to scale that back a little bit anyway as i was saying anyway 1996 so what was going on in 1996 on tv well well in addition to the hunchback of notre dame uh there was a television show called the x-files and season three episode 13 is called grotesque um named after grotesques um which i found from looking for gargoyles um and the premise I, can of this, we can we just you, okay this have like, you seen this, episode? this episode well i've seen every episode of the yeah. x-files but i want what 30 years ago when it first came out but i can i just point out that this week i was the one to talk about the weird obscure movie I know. <laughs> and this week you're the one to talk about the x-files i know episode. it's funny i kind of like i i watched it and i was like i want this one <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, <laughs> go for it. Don't take it from me. Um, so uh, I won't do a super deep plot summary, but the basic premise is there is a serial killer who um, is like drawing all of these art of gargoyles. They've gone like, they've lost their minds and they're, uh, it starts in like, you see a painting class and they start like painting with their own blood. You can tell that they've lost it. And when they catch the guy and they find all of these, you know, dead bodies in, in plaster that looks like gargoyles beneath the layers of, of clay and everything, there's dead bodies. And they swear that they didn't do it, like they weren't in control, that something was controlling their mind and they were being spurned to, to the kill. Um, uh, and, and because it's a difficult case, um, you know, Mulder and Scully get brought onto it by I was amused by this, uh, that it's like, I, I think of it as, as Red from that 70s show, but his name is uh, Kurtwood Smith, but he's like- the, Love the, Kurtwood Smith. He's the, like the chief officer, like the old school guy that was intimidating that or whatever that, that brought he's in He's always Mulder the guy who's to, like, gruffly is like, I don't believe you're crap. But yeah, like, in every episode that he's in or like anything that he's in, he's like, I'm smarter than you and I know better and I don't believe anything that's happening. Well, and and the, the kind of the arc of this is, you know, Mulder kind of starts going too deep and then Scully and the, the sergeant are worried about like, are we going to lose him? Like, is he going to lose his mind? And he's like following all the traces. And at some point he's like picking up a knife that was in evidence. And they're like, why did you do it? Why are your prints all over the knife? He's like, I just wanted to know what it felt like. <laughs> There's all this kind of like ambiguous <laughs> losing your mind stuff. Um, and um, anyway, I guess I won't spoil the final uh, reveal of the episode, but in this sense, I think it goes back to that idea of the gargoyle where, you know, they can manipulate you. They have a certain amount of like mind control and the idea that the spirits or in this case, the actual, like the grotesques that are looking down at you that you, there's many shots of them as well. just like near their office or like near where they're researching, like are kind of ominously influencing their thoughts. Um, even after the case is solved, it's like the statues are still there. Um, Anyway, so it's a good one. Um, there's one more uh, show that I want to talk about. Now, this is interesting because it is both a television show and a movie at the same time. Literally the same thing. There was a cartoon car called Gargoyles. And, <laughs> and it was so good. Yeah, but it's the maybe the only example I can find where the television show, the first five episodes just was the movie recut. Like yeah. they're just the same thing. Um, well, the thing is, uh, Disney that it was such a departure from the usual Disney stuff. Like the Gargoyles show, while it was animated and aimed at children, it was it had some very dark themes and it had these very like Shakespearean overtones, yeah. and the characters would monologue on for you know minutes and minutes and minutes on end about the existentialism of their lives and things mm -hmm. like that. So it had this very, it was a huge departure for, for the time period for Disney and people just were not into it. Uh, I, of course, nerded out on it like crazy because most of the voice cast were actors from Star Trek. <laughs> so see. of course I was like, ah! Um, also, well, it was so, a really so, great show. Yeah, I, I think it was, for those who don't know, the basic premise is there's these kind of, ancient stone protector beings. And in this version, they, they start in medieval Scotland, which I think is interesting in terms of that's where the, the pilot is set and they defended themselves and they get, you know, frozen for a thousand years in stone and then they reemerge in, 
in New York City and start being and basically because this, this evil kind of, billionaire bought their castle and yeah. had it rebuilt on top of his own personal skyscraper in New York. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> as if building a, a skyscraper wasn't ego enough, it's like you've also it like built Trump much. You've, 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 you've built an evil fortress on top of your evil fortress, right? Um, but and I also, the evil the evil billionaire was voiced by Jonathan Frakes, who played oh. Riker on Next Generation. So of course uh, I was like, I loved it so so much. Marina Sirtis was in it. Um, Michael Dorn was in it. Kate Mulgrew had a recurring part I, in it. Um, Brent Spiner had a recurring part in it. It was basically it was like if you were a main character on, in a Star Trek franchise, we're just gonna slip you under gargoyles for a while, and it was awesome. I, uh, the little detail that I liked from the show, in addition to like, I think it's uh, fun, but that they're gargoyles and they have a pet gargoyle. It's just like a different type of gargoyle. Like there's the, most of the gargoyles are like two-legged winged gargoyle. And there's one kind of like dog gargoyle. <laughs> and most of them in the pilot, like don't have names. Um, they're just, a little boy comes up to them and be like, what do you call each other? And they just say, friend. And I was like, this is a, a very like, uh, you know, 90s cartoon. Um, but it, well, because hey, that because like yeah, and like that that goes back to what I was saying about how like it was just kind of a, a strange departure for Disney at the time, um, because I remember so much of especially those first two episodes, so much of the plot of the show was them trying to adjust to this new modern era. Like they had been asleep for a thousand years, and now mm -hmm. all of a sudden they've been transported to the other side of the world in this completely different culture. So they're trying to and they, they were the original protectors of their town and so they kind of still feel that impetus to now protect New York but they don't really know how they fit into this more modern society it's, and so so that's where all of this like existential monologuing came from a lot of the time. funny like the show it takes itself quite seriously which I like about it but like that premise of like somebody frozen for a thousand years and released is traditionally interpreted through comedy right like they're like <laughs> Often, oh look yeah. a weird funny monster and they're like oh, discovering look at this the funny world. fish out of water premise yeah, yeah it's like and it like works there's nothing wrong with that but it's, it's just funny that in this it's like the deep <laughs> Shakespearean drama gargoyle in New York like it's not the Ninja Turtles you know what I mean like it's not there's nothing yes yes and I think that that's the whole thing right it's like it was kind of the antithesis to Ninja Turtles in that mm -hmm. like again if you think about the origin story of the Ninja Turtles it's actually quite sad and tragic but they What's... really leaned into the cartoony over-the-top comedy mm -hmm. let's aim this at kids thing and so it never really got into the deep melodrama mm -hmm. that Gargoyles well, I think, did. I mean, look, I, before we go the, down the TMNT rabbit hole, I'd just like to say that TMNT <laughs> is also uh, canonically related to the Daredevil universe, I think is basically, you know, a, a spoof of the Daredevil yeah. universe. It's, and that's why it's meant to be kind of silly because the 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 ooze that turns them into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the same ooze the that, same stuff that blinded the same stuff that blinds Matt uh, Murdock that's yeah, right turns them into Daredevil anyway that's just that's my fun right. I'm sure less people knew that already but I think that's why it's it's so overtly um it's I mean it, it doesn't take itself too seriously which is kind of what makes it fun I have one last thing that I want to share in pop culture Madrin, do you have one last thing that you want to share? Well, I was going to say, or more speaking, speaking of Matt Murdock and Daredevil and Marvel Comics, there is, of course, uh, a Marvel comic character named Gargoyle. Mm. Uh, he was an old... Well, actually, there were two different versions of him. So there was one he had, had more of a short-lived life. He was the original foe or one of the first foes against the Hulk. He was a Soviet scientist named Yuri Topolov. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and an accident, of course, working with radiation turns him into this like large-headed, grotesque creature. Uh, and he fights the Hulk. And of course, Bruce Banner manages to cure him. Uh, and uh, they actually kind of like reconcile themselves. But of course, he ends up passing over his deformity to his son, who is now called the Gremlin. Um, so that that's its own thing. But then there, the more well-known gargoyle in Marvel is um, he's an old man named Isaac Christians who sold his soul to a group of demons in exchange to uh, um, in exchange for like saving his hometown Uh, and so Christians made a pact to inhabit the body of an ancient gargoyle and act as kind of like an agent to these uh, you know to these bad guys and so he's his life force is put into this gargoyle body and he's sent off to um, uh, kill one of the members of the defenders, Mm -hmm. but he manages to rebel against these people who have given him this power. And, but he ends up trapped in the gargoyle body, but he then joins the defenders. Oh, cool. uh, And then he and the defenders then work together to help him defeat this, this group that originally gave him these, powers it sounds a little bit like the thing like that the, the origin bit, yeah. of, like well, the, I mean, they're, they're stuck in a body that they don't want and that they're brought onto a, a team and that they are of stone <laughs> uh or that they're like kind of gruff i guess the thing isn't literally stone but they have kind of like a stone style body yeah um my last uh thing that i want to talk about pop culture is that i found my old dungeons and dragons monster manual <laughs> and it's i'm funny. so glad someone brought it up I, um, I've been waiting to kind of get into it. I, I pulled it out of storage. And for the last couple of weeks, the monster that we've been talking about hasn't been in the manual. And so I haven't been oh, able no. to find it. I could find other versions, but in um, D&D, gargoyles were quite popular uh, specifically. And they got a lot of their kind of uh, clout for being a part of this game. So there's two kind of descriptions of gargoyles that I think are cool. Um, there's also a bunch of stats and stuff that are kind of irrelevant. Um, but uh, in terms of the like narrative descriptions, they say that a gargoyle is a vicious flying predator that enjoys torturing creatures weaker than itself. Gargoyles often appear to be winged stone statues for they can perch indefinitely without moving and use this disguise to surprise their foes. They require no food, water or air, but often eat their fallen foes out of fondness for inflicting pain. When not enjoying the favorite pastime, a wing of gargoyles, which is funny, it sounds like the plural of gargoyle is wing in D&D, a wing of gargoyles can be found waiting silently for prey or bragging amongst themselves. Um, There's also a description of gargoyles as characters, like you were to play a gargoyle, but they make excellent uh, scouts, spies, and fighters, um, and they're able to soar aloft at a moment's notice. They can ravage landbound foes they can move really quickly um they've got a really like high constitution and, and that type of thing like they're good kind of multi-round fighters but i thought this was interesting because in a lot of the other research that i had done of gargoyles they seem to be primarily protectors like they, they're attached to the building and they're not nearly as it seems almost like just evil or like kind of like chaotically evil like the the description here is that they just like they just want to kill for the fun of it right and there's a little bit of that in the story um that i was talking about um but 
a lot of them, I, I think of them as being protectors of buildings. So I, I'm curious to see um, which side of the coin our guest falls on, whether that they are a protector or, or a bit more of an aggravator of a gargoyle. Um, in, in just a little bit, we're going to be joined by uh, Gimbal McDimble uh, and, and Madrin. Um, hopefully, uh, they don't have petrification powers. And if they do, uh, hopefully, it, it won't be um, webcam you know, oriented. Yeah, I hope it doesn't work online. Um, I think uh, we, we got the intern to set them up. Uh, so you know, we don't know what type of gargoyle uh, uh, Gimbal is. All I got is uh, their, their paperwork in, so I knew that they were ready for the show. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be interviewing Gimbal McDimble. All right. So we're back um, with Monstrology and we are joined by uh, Gimbal McDimble. Gimbal, do I have that right? Uh, that's the, the correct pronunciation. Is this, do I, am, is this Jonathan? Is this, is this thing, are we ready? Am I, am I good? Oh yeah, it's, did Jonathan get yeah. everything set up properly okay. for you there? I well, I I that that's not what I I'm not I'm not quite too sure. Am I am I clear? Am I coming? You're coming okay? in loud and clear. Loud us. and we clear. Can I can I can see okay. you. Um and and um and Jonathan seems to be all right. He hasn't been harmed or uh, paralyzed or frozen in stone oh. or. Good goodness, no, no. Why oh. would it? Why why would you? Why would you think that? Why? You paralyzed know? look Why? i have i have to say i have to <laughs> say you know what down a um, ravine or something I it, don't, uh, i'm not sure some of our interns have a tendency to wander off or never appear again and uh you know they know what they sign up for but anyway glad to hear jonathan is doing well and uh yeah you're coming in and loud and clear where are you coming from you're like i i i'm 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 coming from saint john's in newfoundland just, oh. well just outside of saint john's i'm okay uh, I've parked my trailer here. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm seeing the sights. I mean, well, I've been here for quite some time now, a couple of months, but I just, I love the East coast. I love Newfoundland and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful out here. So is there uh, is, is there a building that, that you've been, um, perched upon or, or in charge of, uh, defending? I just, a lot of my research for, for gargoyles and, you know, as we go along, feel free to correct me because sometimes the research is just complete nonsense and, and humans have just gotten it all wrong. But you, Wait, tell me about it. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Uh, we do our best, you know, we take it very seriously, but sometimes- Do just, you? you know, do you take- Well, I, just I, I personally do. It is it is my life's mission to amass as much um, specific uh, monster-oriented detail as possible. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's uh, the see. whole point of the podcast, right? Is to get right to the heart of the matter. We bring- the the creatures in so we can have that one-on-one -on -one in-depth conversation go right to the source mm -hmm. cut out Creature. all the nonsense okay um well, well let me just see, stop uh, you know right a couple of, a couple I, of episodes uh, ago we we were referring to our guest as a monster and she didn't really mm -hmm. she didn't really like that term so i'm i was right. i was trying to think maybe you know what what's a more uh, neutral, maybe less offensive word but you know if you don't like creatures certainly i am i am definitely open to suggestions well, I mean, look, I, I try not to take things too personally. I mean, I know how I look and I know how it's been interpreted over the years, <laughs> centuries, really. And well, in fact, millennia, I do know a bit of the history of my kind. But, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're gargoyles. 
it's okay. Um, we, 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 you can, you can refer to us as um, uh, people or beings, maybe not human beings, but uh, you know, most of us are humanoid. So um, mm-hmm. you can, you can, people, people is fine. I know a lot of us who like it. You know, look, if you slip up every once in a while and you refer to us as creatures, I'm not going to be super offended about it. How do you but, feel about um, the term uh, uh, monster? As as... Uh, monster. <laughs> well, I, I mean it uh, quite I, affectionately, I, actually. It's, uh, it's, uh, I have, I have mo- a very positive connotation in monster. We, we ran into a trouble when we were brainstorming the podcast originally that we considered mm. uh, uh, beingology, humanology, but it gave people the wrong impression about what the show is going to be about. So ultimately, we had to go with kind of an umbrella term for for. Well, monster. I understand. I mean, you are talking to humans, and we have been referred to as such things in the past, and it it might be easy for you to do that. But uh, I don't. <laughs> Someone told me very recently they were trying their best, and uh, I'm not sure that. Uh, that's really it. Mm. You well, might want to <laughs> consult more with the <clears throat> guests that you're inviting onto the show. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate enough. your candor. I appreciate you taking the time to to educate us. You you're, seem you're welcome. Like, you're welcome, a, and a, I appreciate. A, and look, I appreciate. I appreciate that you are. Uh, you're. You're learning. You. You. It's a learning process. Um, look, I've been around for centuries. I know that nobody's perfect, and uh, I myself am not perfect. And but I've had a lot more time for quiet contemplation and mm. such things. And uh, and 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 these are the things that I've learned over the years. I've been all over the world. I've seen very different types of people and lots of different things and events and so i i like to think i've i've i've, I've earned some wisdom and and and, a, and, a, and and i earn the right to um ask or even demand to be called a certain thing and i think everybody has that right truly yeah i mean i only have a human a human's worth amount of intellect respective to my age mm. but you've existed for so much longer and mm. you know i mean i don't mean to offend sometimes humans are sensitive about this thing how, how old approximately would you say that you are or or do you know I, oh, oh, of course, I've got, uh, I've got a, I, you know, we have birth certificates too. Um, but, oh, uh, do you? I, I celebrate. I celebrate. Oh, yes, of course. No, we're. we're, we're Is it very... engraved on you somewhere? Your your birth year? No, I've got, I've got, um, I've got a little stone tablet. They, we oh. we do engrave them, but they're they're tablets, and we keep very good care of them. Hmm. Uh, uh, their 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 personal effects, um, but uh, but I've 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 celebrated a birthday for the past three hundred years. Oh. So um, three hundred. I'm I'm that's a long winded way of saying three hundred. And I apologize. Wait, did you just I turn? Get a little... Did you just turn three hundred this year? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. 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 Congratulations. Yes. What a round number. <laughs> it's a very. It's a. Of course. Yeah. I mean. Well. I mean. It's. It's not. I, technically, it's. I'm not round anymore. But uh, it. Three hundred and a couple months. Well, it's yes, fair yes. to assume that you might. You're about. Um, uh, ten times older than I am. So you would probably have ten times as much intellect. Um, so. It, well. It, more more I, knowledge I, than I. 
I, I've, I've certainly been around for 10 times longer, but <laughs> I wouldn't claim to have 10 times. Oh. <laughs> Don't put that on me. I, I would never. <laughs> well, you just seem to have a, a good kind of social awareness. Um, did you have any sort of falling outs with other uh, humans that, that has led you to, to, to re-navigate your place in the world so, so clearly? Well, um, it's it's a, it's not necessarily a tragedy. It's something um, that is still difficult for me to talk about. But of course, we're about raising awareness. Um, I I I was I was driven out of a community. Um, oh no! Rather, we were driven out of a community. Um, my originally, my 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 father is from Scotland, and. Um, he was he, he was one of the guards of the uh, Paisley um, oh. <clears throat> in Paisley um, uh, the Paisley Abbey, Abbey. Mm. Um, uh, and he traveled around the world, of course, and uh, met my mother in Paris, where she was perched up Notre Dame. Um, and then, but you no, know, we relocated. They relocated back to Paisley. They wanted a bit of a quieter, quieter life. And so, um, but but after a while, they 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 grew tired of him and afraid, and they they for some reason they didn't they didn't take kindly to my mother. There was a whole um, like you know an immigration thing. They weren't very fond of outsiders. Mm-hmm. And then when I was born, it was just there were more of us. They were multiplying, and it became this sort of uh, problem for them. And the, the community started shunning us, and so we decided we had to leave. And kind of well not so not so ceremonious fashion mm. and so did you lose contact with the rest of your family in that in that moving process like are you in contact with them now or are you more well, isolated my my mother um my father and I, I i haven't spoken to him in quite some time he's a bit long in the tooth a little bit you know, actually succumbed to a bit of dementia. Um, but uh, I, I, I do make, I, I try to make regular trips every once in a while because obviously I, I, I have a fondness for the city as well. And um, of course, met my mother. We, we pay homage to my, to my dear mama in a top the cathedral now he had to he, of course he had to uh relocate he lives elsewhere in the city um sticks to the sewers mainly um after the great fire of 2019 but mm-hmm. um he's he's doing well he is uh he, he eats regularly and he's got a he's got human care actually uh, a lovely a lovely woman named Zenya who mm. who helps require uh food for him and and other medicinal remedies should he require them because you know (laughs) thank you for that there's there's two major things that have stuck out in my in my brain now from my human brain from what you just brought up Mm -hmm. which is um without being crude you know i've never really known where gargoyles came from I have wondered if they were sculpted into existence, if there was magic involved, if there was storm lightning, but it sounds like you described having a mother- Or some kind of other plane of existence, maybe? But it sounds like you have a a mother and father. So, you know, in the interest of clarity, would would you mind telling our listeners where gargoyles come from? Well, have 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 you ever seen 
or maybe on the show you've been discussing the uh, the Sheila. Oh, oh yes, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I well, it, that's I mean, that's it. That's where that's that's kind of that's kind of a standard. Really. Oh, that's it. So that, that I don't need gar- to... gargoyles come from the Sheila. Well, the, the the Sheila is a depiction of female gargoyles. Oh, okay. okay. So they give birth via, you know, a birth canal, much as yourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, not uh, me. <laughs> without... no, some humans. <laughs> well, like I think oh. humans in general oh, is. Pardon me. Pardon me. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to imply anything by that. Uh, of course. No, I just didn't know if you knew about the the details of human anatomy. Ah, uh, I know a C-section. Mm. Oh yes, cesarean. Yes, mm. I, I I I am familiar with it. Oh, yes. Well, has that ever happened with gargoyles? Have they ever had to do a a, a C-section on gargoyles with a, a Sheila that couldn't pass a gargoyle? Do you do you get a sculptor for that? How do you get through the stone? I've never personally. Well, first of all, let me just clear something up. We're only ever encapsulated in stone and this is something i tried to i tried to uh, uh discuss with the producers of the and the, the creators of the gargoyles animated series but they kind of took it in a different direction altogether mm. um, <clears throat> um but we only ever turn to stone or revert to stone when we are asleep mm, so when you're asleep so any it has nothing other to do with moments, day and night no, 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 oh. it, that's a, a rather huge misconception. I mean, I'm out in the daytime right now. I'm enjoying the sun, I, the breeze on my face. And, uh, it's true, yeah, you have a quite, pretty nice picnic you, laid out there. It's um, Oh, it's 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 beautiful. Oh, but I, but got, were I've you got, to I've got to East Coast like... lobster. Wow. <laughs> I, I, oh, I have a real fondness for lobster. I just can't get it up with this stuff. Hence my, hence, hence my living on the East Coast most of my time. You're probably a pretty uh, capable hunter too, I'd imagine, with, with um, those wings that you've got there. Oh, sure. I mean, I do, but I also like to support the local economies oh. whenever I can. So I pick up the odd job here and there, and I, uh, and, and I like to pay for my, I like to pay my way. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that kind of raises a question that, that's been sitting in my mind is what is a, a typical gargoyle diet? What kinds of things do you like to eat? Oh, anything and everything, really. I mean, I know quite a few who are uh, vegetarian. I know some some pescatarian, but we we're, we're omnivores. We can we can eat uh, we we can eat most things that you uh, humans eat. Um, I know we do have uh, an an aversion to broccoli. We're not too fond of broccoli. I don't know huh. why. I've never really researched it or anything. I think there's some chemical compound. It's very, very odd. It's kind of like uh, how dogs, you know, how dogs are, grapes are poisonous to dogs. Chocolate is poisonous. Right. Broccoli, it just doesn't sit well with a... But you're not like, a, you're not afraid. Know. You're not afraid the of the broccoli. The way that the gargoyle... It's not that I'm afraid. No, no. I mean, I'm I'm afraid of I'm afraid of ingesting it and and possibly dying from it. But oh. I've never heard anyone to be so seriously afflicted by it. Yeah, huh. it's more of a more of an upset tummy, gastrointestinal thing. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. find. Imagine we were talking about this earlier. I couldn't find a lot of weaknesses for gargoyles. I, I did see some sort of information that said that sometimes you're tied to a specific place, but that doesn't seem to be the case for you since you've been able to travel. But maybe I'm gonna have to add broccoli to the list. You know, not that I would ever use that against oh. you. I just, you know, factually. No, please, 
please, the more information that I can get out into the world about the gargoyle race, the, the better, really. Mm. Um, broccoli is one thing that I've heard of. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been to every corner of the planet and obviously met every, every one of us, but uh, um, that is one that I know across the board. Broccoli, no bueno. Mm -hmm. You know, you also seem to have a very pleasant demeanor. In the research that I was doing and the depictions that we had seen of gargoyles, there tends to be kind of two categories. And I was kind of floating this idea to imagine earlier. And I just wanted to see what kind of side that you fell into. Um, I have my guesses, but I'd love to hear it straight from you. There tends to be the, the gargoyles in pop culture that are protectors of a certain location. They protect society or they're, they're kind of these almost vigilantes. And there is also a more kind of for lack of a better term, evil type of gargoyle that seems to do destructive things or or take pleasure in, in killing and sin. Can you shed some light onto what, what gargoyle you are and if there's any legitimacy to the other side? Well, let me tell you something about that, uh, that the negative depictions that's 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 mostly propaganda that I and see. that is we, our, our own our own kind we we over the years we have wanted to we are protectors we generally like to be helpful and defenders of of, of the certain areas and uh and localities that we inhabit um but we also uh we try to repel say uh, foreign invaders and people who would do the people around us harm so mm. It's better to it's better to promote a, 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 an attitude of fear in one's enemies uh, than uh, one of kindness and love and respect, which might be detriment. Might ha maybe it was detrimental in the past, but history has been history has been well, rather gruesome and written in blood. Unfortunately, um, mm -hmm. things are changing. Most of us are most of us have become uh, not not to say docile, um, but um, more respectful. And we've we've come to understand that solving problems with our words is uh, often uh, better than with our fists or claws or talons or wings or other appendages uh, such as a, a tail or our jaw and horns. Hmm. I and once so knew a gargoyle who had six arms. Actually, <laughs> it was quite something. Yeah, they knew he put up a nasty fight. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you could do all sorts of things with six arms. So yeah, well, I, I guess some things I can't bear repeating on a oh, podcast. Okay. Such as this. Is this a? Is this a? What type of a pod? I mean, I I'm not I'm not much one for. But I just don't. I wouldn't audio wouldn't a curse or. You can curse if you want to. Our, our uh, listeners are conditioned In case to it that. slips, I I'd hate to. I mean, I let up like I let the p word out every once in a while, but uh, nothing nothing word? more than that. Yes, uh, 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 piss. Oh, sorry, apologize. Oh. <laughs> no, you could say uh, yeah, piss I... as many times as you want. Oh, 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 well, I mean, I don't make a regular habit of it, but just in case, just in case. <laughs> um, I hate for you, I hate for your listeners to think I was some sort of, you know, crass sort of uh, brawler. No, I, I, it feels like this this monster, I don't know about you, Matt, it seems like quite misunderstood. And, you know, you seem to have a very lovely inner life, but I, I, I'm just going to, put something out there in, in, a, in the interest of honesty is I do find your physical appearance qu quite scary. 
you know, and it's nothing about your, you know, you know, attitude or your personality, but your, your inherent presence has a certain malice, um, that that shivers uh me right to the bone i don't know imagine it's, you getting well, that vibe it is de like definitely definitely it's uh you're you're intimidating mm -hmm. uh I, I mean i i know our listeners cannot see our guest today but he is much larger than either will or i mm -hmm. um appears to be made of stone is quite gray um d definitely uh not not the kind of person you see uh, in your average every day you're not you're, you're not going to bump into him in in the grocery store yeah i mean i'm getting this kind of and i know now from speaking to you that it doesn't exist but if i was just to say hi and you turned around i mean i get the vibe of like you know homicidal yeah. hatred or or even just like a touch of lust and it and it in it th threw me um <laughs> well but, but hearing pardon, your first me i know but it's just you've got such a, a, a you know a strong presence and i wonder if maybe this is where the the kind of negative depiction of gargoyles has come from it's just a, a lack of understanding um oh well well i mean uh, certainly i mean we don't we're not we're not unaware of how we look and we're not unaware of how other other beings on the planet uh, i mean how does how does the rhinoceros look but if you were ever to meet a rhinoceros they're quite docile they mm. enjoy they enjoy stomping and rolling in the mud and and they're vegetarian in fact they don't mm. they don't eat any other living organism but the but the plants and the herbs and the and the leaves on the trees right but that, if you that look is at true. One, mm -hmm. I have actually had occasion to see a rhinoceros in the wild, and he was being protected by a, a hired gun, uh, mm. and uh, he he was just chilling out there in mm. the field, and he let his protector walk right up to him, uh, you know, kind of gave him a pat on the back. It was he was really quite wow docile and mm -hmm. chill. It was it was quite. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was quite sad to, to think that anybody actually would want to attack and, and kill this very noble, peaceful creature. It, 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 you're, it, you're, you're right on the money there. I, sorry, I, it was Will and, and, and what Madrin. was Madrin? Madrin. Madrin. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Yes. I think I read that in an email somewhere. Um, yes. Uh, you're right on the money, Madrin. I mean... I, one of the things that has stuck with me, um, I can't remember who said it. Uh, it's probably some ancient Chinese proverb. Uh, they all seem to be ancient Chinese proverbs, but uh, you know, never judge a book by its cover. Mm, um, yeah. Never, never judge a gargoyle by its by its fangs. You know, mm. <laughs> if I, no. can, I can coin a phrase there, I, 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 it, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. In your 300 years of existence, it seems like mm. you've gone through a lot of, you know, very significant um, moments of crisis, you know, different mm. societies, you've been in conflict, you've, but I wonder if there's any little things, you know, that ever kind of just kind of make your life a little bit difficult, like a, a day in the life thing. For example, I was kind of wondering, like, do you ever get just really itchy, like as a stone creature, do you ever get sand? in places you can't itch or or is there any kind of you know just kind of gargoyle tedium that we probably aren't aware of well no i 
first of all, let me just reiterate that as as of right now, I am not stone. I am I am flesh. I'm a bit of a mm-hmm. I, I might be a little bit harder, a little bit more calloused in spots, but uh, I am not stone stone <clears throat> i mean stones can't stones can't breathe they can't speak they can't emote and i'm doing mm-hmm. all those things right now mm-hmm. um, oh you're definitely about it's only when i'm and i'm it's only when i'm <laughs> sorry I'll, I'll, I'll pull it back if no it's okay it's, it's look i've 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 adjusted but it it threw oh, me okay. first. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I get a little carried away, especially with the, um, you know, um, gargoyle um, I guess I, injustices. All, all I'm saying is, I guess I can understand how some people have been driven to madness. I mean, it's nothing that you're doing. It just seems to be, you know, what happens. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll, to get back to your question, um, one of the hardest things, and and, and I don't mean to get uh, too in, too down in the depths here, but uh, in the gutters, if you will. Um, oh. When we when we eat, we 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 require that we. Um, how shall I say this? Um, we we pass our sustenance before. Um, we turn into stone. Otherwise, it changes. It changes our our topography, if you will. It it, it we we gain weight in ways that you do, but it's more of like a growth uh, or um, protrusion that that adds to our physical makeup. And so, if I were to say have have a a steak tartare and not digest it and pass it, it could. I could add mass that when I went oh. to sleep and reverted to stone, I could push part of my body out. And and if you do, you understand what I'm getting at here. So you get some. So sort what of I need to do? New mystery what I need lump. To do yes, yes, and sometimes it cracks, and so we have mm-hmm. to make sure. I've I've heard of people having 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 burst burst at the seams, so to speak. Oh. Um, <laughs> When they've when they've gorged, I, some people, you know, you maybe you really tie one on, mm-hmm. you know, you've gone to the pub, you've had a few, and you and you and you pass out and have had a, a big meal. Um, one of one of my old friends actually passed this way. Uh, oh, everything no. was left in the yeah. It's a, it's a tragic it's a, a tragic story, but it's something I need to bring attention to. Is um, and his and his lower half was separated from his body, and so when he woke up, um, he had but moments, but moments on this planet, um, just to see the sun one more time before he before he bled out, before and, he passed, uh, before Ooh. he passed. Yeah. So really, what yeah. we need to the the what we really need to get a across here is pass you know pass that through so you don't end up passing pass it you well know, you and pass so it before you pass it you know pass pass before you pass yes that's <laughs> yes. It. now there that is a pass it before you, you pass it pass you know you pass. and 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 quite literally all of our food is um to come back to the discomfort that you were inquiring about the it as it leaves the body it turns it actually is turned to stone so oh. we are passing stones all the time oh. every single day before we go to sleep if we eat that day which we don't need to but some of us enjoy mm. eating and drinking and such um we we were forced to pass stones and that's not a pleasant experience if mm. you can imagine yeah i know you humans yeah. have to pass it kidney seems like stones, you're kind right? of 
cross uh, stuck between a, a rock and a hard place here too because you either you either pass the stone quite literally quite yeah. literally that's right that's right <laughs> you know i do what i can uh we you either pass the stone or you kind of do the equivalent of sometimes as humans we wear these i'm wearing glasses but sometimes you can wear contact lenses on your on your mm -hmm. eyes and if people fall asleep with them on they their eyes can get stuck shut and it feels like it would be very easy for you to go to sleep and, and forget to do this process, just as some humans forget to take their contact lenses out, you know? Well, it, it, it really it really can be. Um, most of us, I, like I said, not a lot of us need to eat, but, but we, well, none of us really need to eat, I mean, but, but some of us like to enjoy the finer things. And so uh, eating an apple and digesting an apple isn't, uh, or, or, or um, going to sleep after having eaten an apple, not the end of the world. Having a seven course meal, however, I mean, that could mean, that could mean the, the, the loss of um, <clears throat> a, a cheek of a buttock, mm -hmm. you know, so I would hate for that to happen. Yeah. Do you have anyone? Have, do you have any kind of really lumpy friends that that just never seem to pass properly? And oh, I've about got one, one horrible one. He never, never, ever remembers. It's 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 tragic, really. But uh, we 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 laugh. He he has a good good yeah, laugh seems about to, it now. You know. And yeah, maybe some people have a high to, lumpy threshold. Well, he doesn't eat much throughout the day and uh, and sometimes he gets lucky and it kind of just adds to that spot and doesn't really sever anything um, or or separate or crack, you know, but um, he's got a he's got quite the goiter. Let me tell you, it's almost the size of a football. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds yeah. I mean, that might add to to the grotesque uh, mm. appearance to the, the rest of us humans. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And, and really, that is on us. And, and on behalf of the gargoyle community, I do apologize for that. But we are trying. And as I said, it is a process. But, but the problem is, we surgical tools do not work on us. Our, our hides are so thick when we are when we are awake that we actually cannot be penetrated by scalpels or or even diamond tipped equipment anything of that mm. sort so we really just have to live with it and learn to accept it well i oh, i only have <laughs> one last question for you be before i move on to our mm. kind of last segment here is mm -hmm. it's so mm -hmm. integral in in the understanding that we have of of gargoyles is this this fixture of, of architecture uh that's on mm. a lot of buildings cathedrals and and a lot of water moves through them. Um, sometimes they use as spouts. Um, and just seems like there's a lot of association between gargoyles and water and storms. And so I'm wondering, do you have any association to storms? Do you like storms? Um, do you handle water in a unique way? Where do you think that came from? Well, I the, the, the gargoyles of old, of course, you've seen that um, the gargoyles on buildings, some of them are are have been traditionally used to divert water. Mm -hmm. And now that's because there are certain types of us with a weird physiological uh, morphology where we actually, when we revert to stone, there is a hollow cavity in our in our backs or our mm -hmm. backsides or our tails. And when we when we perch and we turn to stone, if we sleep, uh, the water can then travel through this hollow cavity out our mouths. Um, it's it's very odd. It's very bizarre. But when but once we are woken, 
we are reverted back into a solid mass. Mm. The cavity disappears. I haven't been able to explain it. Uh, no one in, in centuries has been able to explain it. Mm -hmm. So we have been traditionally used in such a fashion. Now, uh, as far as our affinity for storms, um, I mean, personally, I can only speak for myself, but I love a good storm. Mm -hmm. I love sitting. I love sitting outside or sitting in, even in my, even in my caravan. Um, I, 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 or trailer, as you might refer to it, uh, and hearing the, the pounding of the rain on the on the roof, and it just it reminds me of where we all come from, and that's mm -hmm. nature, and and we're all of the same cloth, and I think it's important to to really recognize that and 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 revel in that mm -hmm. um and as far and who doesn't love a good <laughs> love a good uh, uh lightning bolt I, yeah. I've, I, I've been to your toronto and i've i've sat outside and watched the the cn tower get struck many a time and mm -hmm. that is one of my one of my great uh, great simple joys have you ever considered flying up to the top i'm sure the, oh, view, the view from up there must be extraordinary Oh, I've been, and and believe me, it's uh, it it is quite the scene. It is quite the scene. Yes. Wow. Yeah. But no one has luckily taken a picture of me, mm -hmm. uh, or have I? I haven't seen them. Um, no, the only picture but, of uh, just good timing. Good timing. The only picture I've ever seen of somebody on the CN Tower is is uh, Drake, and I think it was photoshopped. I don't think he was in fact sitting on the the, the edge of. Oh, uh, Drake! Drake! Tower. Drake actually! Drake actually is a good friend of mine. Yes. Oh, really? Oh. Yes, I've 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 gone to his mansion a couple of times. Yes, it's wow. It's quite, I feel like we really struck gold here right at the end. I, I have so many questions about your relationship <laughs> with Drake, but I guess yeah, we're gonna. How have did to... you meet Drake? I mean, uh, well, actually, it was uh, I was touring. I was touring Toronto. Um, it was my it was my first time, uh, and I was uh, walking around. I heard that Forest Hill was quite pleasant. Um, I was in I I was incognito. I I I when I'm sometimes when I'm in a more heavily populated area, I don't like to frighten people. I am aware that you know, we are referred to as grotesques, which mm -hmm. is another really problematic term but i digress um actually maybe we can keep that in i don't know how this works but i'll keep that. We, we really don't we really we i mean i understand the historical need to refer to us as grotesques but it's 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 quite it's quite hurtful even more so well might be on the same on par with monster in fact but um if we could just if we could just nip that one in the bud, put that one and uh, put that one in the dustbin, that would grotesque. be grotesque. We'll, we'll yes. check that. Yes. Yeah. So our listeners but at I, home, but, yeah. <laughs> grotesque. Um, but no, I was I was walking on Forest Hill and I bumped into him and he had mentioned how big of a fan he was of the show, uh, Gargoyles, the animated series. I, oh, um, I see. And and I said, well, thank you very much. Um, he didn't know that I had any involvement in it, but he saw a gargoyle and he thought, well, I think, you know, I think what it'd, was be like, your... it'd be a bit like seeing a Batman, but. Uh, and, what was your official about... uh, title of the Gargoyles television series? Consultant or? Mm, I, well, I have a bone to pick, unfortunately, with that series because I do not have an official title. Uh... As you can imagine, our depiction, uh, getting back to, you know, uh, my uh, uh, 
feelings about social justice for for the gargoyles. Um, our depictions in certain types of media have not been so pleasant, and not because of us. I mean, I, again, I think that's probably due to the the uh, propaganda and fear that we seem to mm. uh, want to strike in the hearts of our enemies. Um, that uh, we 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 promulgated um, You've absolutely but, succeeded in that <laughs> well yes but it we, it went a little bit too far because mm. now people are your kind are doing it of their own accord making films about us without our without our input um and some of them are an incredibly comical and and ridiculous quite frankly and so i saw an opportunity with with the, the producers of gargoyles uh to to sort of um right past wrongs or transgressions um and actually the show was going to be loosely based on my life and my experiences um but I was left out of the consultant process. Um, mm. I think mostly due to <clears throat> most mostly due to racism, xenophobia, uh, and and they never credited me at all. They made it more about uh, magic rather than science, um, and totally discredited the the gargle race. Um, well. I shouldn't say totally. I mean, I have seen a few episodes, but I just can't bear to watch it. It's 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 really upsetting to me. Well, I'm, um, I'm sorry they uh, they did but, you dirty like that, you know. But you, yeah. you deserve better, and yeah. hopefully, you'll be able to create your own work well, you. uh, in future. Um, we are now at the, the as much as I would love to hear about um, your your relationship with Drake. Uh, we we have arrived at the part oh, of the well. show where we uh, talk about pitches, uh, things that we would like to pitch, uh, things that we're involved in. Sometimes it's a local business that we really uh, want to give a shout out to. Something sometimes it's something that we enjoyed recently. Um, I I usually go last, but I'm going to go first today and say um, I would like to pitch. Uh, well, first, uh, Monstrology has a new Facebook page, which you can uh, like and follow, and, and you, we might be able to do some um, uh, listener questions on that Facebook page uh, as we kind of grow that community. Um, the other thing is not monster related. It's just a thing that I like. Uh, there is um, a kind of uh, news outlet called The Athletic. Um, which uh, follows all sorts of different sports. I used to follow a lot of details on hockey, and I find that their reporting on sports is the best reporting that you can get. There's a bunch of podcasts as well for The Athletic, but also just their articles and the way that they look at analytics, I find like really fascinating. So if you're into uh, football, basketball, um, I think they started doing baseball. It's great for hockey. Check out The Athletic. Right on. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, anything that you would like to pitch? Uh, well, there is a little operation in St. John's that we are working on. Um, it's called uh, Jim's Sea Shack. Okay. And it is a restaurant that I am and am, am co-owner of. Uh, and we are in the process of uh, having our soft launch uh, in a couple of weeks and our grand opening on May the 28th. Um, and it is a, it's a, a, a seafood restaurant, um, mm. mid to lower uh, 
class uh, mid to mid to how do i say this without sounding um offensive um it's not it's not it's not fine dining per se but it's not fast food it's, how many, it's a it's a, it's it, a bit stars? of a cut above it's michelin star how many stars would you give the uh well they don't have them here in canada but uh i would say uh i i it's it's we we aspire to be a one michelin star oh. um Although that even, hmm, that might be a bit too much. We want it to be affordable. We want it to be affordable. We want it to have, we, we're, we're striving for a very uh, um, nice experience. Maybe maybe not as, uh, uh, a bit more laid back. It's seafood. It's not well, the it- captain's boil, but it's also, <laughs> it's not, uh, not, not, it, it'd be a little bit better than well. I don't mean to throw any shade, but uh, red lobster. You know. Well, uh, you know, if if you serve lobster and it's the same lobster that you've got there at, at your picnic that you've laid out in front of you, I mean, mm, that looks mm, like a like a damn good lobster. So, I think mm, people should check mm, that out. Oh, it's quite yes. This is a, this is right right from Nova Scotia. Yeah. A lot of people talk about Maine lobster. I personally am I'm, I'm more a fan. I, I have a strong affinity for Canada and you Canadians. And I, I, I think that there's just a much, much better crop uh, yeah. off the coast of Nova well, Scotia. And you've been all over the world. So you would, you would know mm-hmm. best. Uh, Matron, mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like to pitch to our listeners this week? Yes, there is a restaurant in my neighborhood called Our Spot. It's out here on the Danforth. I think they also have another location on Baldwin Street. Oh, cool. Um, in in your Kensington Market. Yeah. There yep. Oh, okay. Great. I am I am familiar. Well, I, I live out on the Danforth. Uh, mm-hmm. so that is the location that I go to. They're they're a brunch spot. So typically mm-hmm. I had been ordering breakfast from them so they're i have to their eggs benedict and their omelets are fantastic but mm, on i love those things thursday i decided to go outside my comfort zone and we ordered lunch from them oh. got burgers they're awesome their burgers were so so good you can tell that they're homemade absolutely delicious and and fairly fairly affordable so uh and and you can order directly from their website so you know avoid all of the service feed from the from the delivery apps Mm. order directly from from, our spot from the dreaded uber eats you know i find i find myself every once in a while as much as i don't i I don't approve of that type of business model uh, you know, sometimes gargoyles got to eat, and and sure, that's sure. well. I mean, you but literally if, if you can I order mean, directly suppose... from the restaurant, though. You know, it saves them the service fees. You're putting the money directly into the pockets of the restaurants themselves. I think that that's the way absolutely. I suppose absolutely. It, a gargoyle never has to eat, though, right? It's just that you you want to eat. Well, right, right. Of course, gargoyle wants to eat. I, I that was a bit of a uh, misstep, I suppose. Just to, you know, but you just, get my oh, indeed. just to make sure that every. Everybody knows, yes, of course, but uh, I just want to make sure the. Listeners. I mean, this, well, I have to say, this I think particular, burgers... this particular, this particular gargoyle has to eat. Oh, and it sounds I mean, like you have great taste too. Well, I'm a and, bit and of a, I, I don't. I'm, I'm a self-professed you. gourmand, I would say, but um, I digress. Well, I'll say that the burgers from our spot are worth the stone poops that you're going to have later. Wow. That's she. She yeah. said it, and really, that's the threshold that we're. That's working. quite the endorsement. So, if anybody as, from as our un- spot is listening, <laughs> that can be your new tagline: "Worth the stone poops." 
as as uncomfortable as they are, I've kind of I've kind of learned how to, you know, uh, work it out in the least uncomfortable fashion. It's been it's taken some time, but uh, I I've made it work. It's definitely worth it. And I've all as I've always said throughout the uh, duration of this entire interview, you know, pass before you pass. It's uh, pass it's before important. you pass. Well, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that one. Yeah. Is there any other? Uh, sometimes I, I offer our guests just a little nugget of wisdom to to offer the world. I mean, pass before you pass is a good one. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners just before we cap off the episode? You've been a great guest. Listen, I, all of this sounds very, very commonplace, but really drink it all in. The world is the world is a big place and there are lots of people in it and uh, respect each other and learn to love one another. Um, but but most of all, respect each other and and ask for respect in return. And I think we will all, that would be a great step toward uh, solving a lot of the crises in the world. Um, Yeah, but that is, that is, I I can't wrap that up into a nice pithy saying, but, but that's what I would like to convey. Some, some wonderful uh, gargoyle wisdom. Uh, Thank you so much Mm. for, for joining us. Thank you to our listeners uh, for listening to the show. And we'll be back in another two weeks for another episode of Monstrology uh, with a whole other guest. See you later. Bye. Bye. It was a pleasure. Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content, co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe, edited and produced by Will King, and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found. (laughs) 